This is Author Talk, presented by Author House, the leading provider of services to help authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Author Talk is a show about new books and the authors who wrote them. It's an opportunity for prospective readers to hear directly from the writers, to hear what inspired them to write and publish, and to hear all the inside details about their books. Here is Author Talk with host Steve Jorgensen. Greetings for Steve Jorgensen and for Author Talk. This is J. Douglas Barker. Our author today joins us from India. He has written a book titled Man with a Golden Heart. And I welcome to the program Satya. Welcome, sir, to the program. Okay, thank you, thank you. This is a book of 96 pages, and primarily I would call it a book of poetry. How did you come to write this book? What motivated you to, to put your thoughts in writing? It came out of the heart of suffering by me, both physical and mental. It is very important for me that these poems are published. They have relieved me from the pains and tensions I felt in my life. Here I share with my feelings with other readers. My past torments me. The only way to forget it is to write down. I wrote this when my health was very poor and I thought I had no future. It is a plea to higher power to explain and cure the ills and, ills and suffering of the world. I am a man torn between deep grief and trust in me, benevolent God, and uh, and uh, horrifying evidence of inequality and injustice seen in this world on a daily basis. And your book talks about suffering and all of those types of things that you have have experienced who do you think who do you think will will find this book of interest and benefit from reading it everybody everybody is suffering without exception everybody has to have a golden heart to bear the suffering i feel suffering is the only way to reach god when you talk everybody is it will appeal to every reader suffering is a common thing for everybody whether they're rich or poor anybody in a high society or low society, nobody can escape suffering. That's my feeling you, about this. You mentioned that you had uh, experienced suffering. Can you share some of that information with our listeners? Yes, yes. For, to all those schizophrenics, to all those schizophrenics, having suffered with schizophrenia for more than for more than four decades, I know how difficult it is to be schizophrenic. I feel even the loss of a limb or limbs is better than to suffer with schizophrenia. Even my worst enemy should not suffer with schizophrenia. That is my plea to God. Hats off to those great people who could make the life of a schizophrenic a little better with the medicines they discovered. In spite of these wonder medicines, they made it very difficult to go on to march on. Nobody in this world can shake out this dreadful disease as long as they like. Being fortunately placed, because of the extraordinary inborn mental powers given by the so-called God, I am able to bear this disease. But I feel sorry for all those who are not fortunate to place as me. Just recently, I had an obsession that uh, I have to help these poor victims. My wish is that part of my money must be helpful to these less fortunate to place victims of Shizekhania. Let God and mankind help all of them. Now, after I... Now I am 67, and when I see the behavior of human beings, I feel schizophrenia is not to me, but to the rest of the world. It requires treatment. That is my feeling. It is not to me. It is to the rest of the world. When I see the behavior of many human beings, the way they're in nature, the way they exploit animals, 
they have no kindness regarding poor people. I see. Um, my thinking is better than even though I am schizophrenic than many people around me. That's my feeling. You have uh, written, this is one of your poems or one of your writings, Human Bondages. Yes, are so it's my writing. I wrote about schizophrenia like that. A small article on to all those schizophrenics. Regarding animals also, I can tell how they are exploited by human beings. Yes. Let us say bullocks in India. They are tied to the cart and bugged to death. They, are born, they can't even tell about their suffering. They are born dumb. If God's, uh, if judgment, is, uh, judgment of God is so partial, how can you expect good judgment from human beings created by the same God? Sheep, let us say sheep. We are not satisfied with their wool and milk. They are led into the slaughterhouse. We want their meat. What will happen to the humans if we are led into the slaughterhouse same way as we lead sheep into the slaughterhouse? And there must be some things that you want the reader to take away from reading your poetry. What would that be? In no book I read before express the nature and suffering of human beings like a, my book, Man with a Golden Heart. I have a message to the world. I want to give my message through this book. God made me talk like a prophet versus like I am the unluckiest, yet I am the luckiest, and the most cursed, yet I am the most blessed. Are some examples. My hands tremble and make me physically handicapped. As they have done miracles, God has given me golden hands. My brain stays strained for every small thing. That is, that it is so brilliant and it is godly. And even though I am a mentally handicapped person, my God has given me. Uh, God has given me. Uh, sorry. Uh, my brain stands for every small thing and makes me mentally handicapped. And it, yet it is brilliant and godly. God is the magician of magician. It is difficult to understand his action. Are there any particular messages or scenes or characters you'd like to highlight today about your yes. book? I wrote about uh, my... Uh, after I, uh, I went to uh, this place where it started, you know. It started four decades back in USA when my health got spoiled and came back to coffee, an ancient shrine in India. And then I feel I was graced by God and I wrote this book. Uh, only God's grace I'm surviving, but for God's grace, I would have left this world long time back, in this cruel world. I wrote that if I, uh, if I have another birth, let me be born as a cruel animal, and I can't be as cruel as a human. That's my plea to God. If I have another birth, let me be born as a cruel animal. Because it can't be as cruel as a human being. Um, I, I feel sorry to talk about human beings like that. Sure. But when I see the uh, exploitation done on uh, in this world on animals or uh, fellow human beings, I feel very sad. I feel very sad about it. Why can't, be, uh, why can't the human beings be more sympathetic towards others? The poverty is a punishment. Poverty is a punishment. Look at the children begging in the street. God's judgment is so rough and ruthless. If uh, let us give these poor children a, cha- a chance, somebody else will give you a chance. Let us show to the one above us that our judgment is more nobler than his judgment. Uh, let us show to the one above us that our we are, uh, our actions are more nobler than his his judgment. Your message would be one of peace and one of tolerance and one of understanding for those who are challenged in life. Yes, yes, yes. 
And how would you introduce this book to a friend? Suffering is the only way to reach God. God makes his presence felt by making his children experience suffering. I scolded God at places and questioned his judgment. Because uh, I'm confused whether if God is so, they say God is love. But I receive only suffering. Uh, It's difficult to understand God's actions, as, as I told you. Uh, why he's partial in his judgment. He's, uh, I don't know. I mean, as I told you before, I'm a man torn with uh, deep belief and uh, trust in God. At the same time, uh, I, feel, uh, I feel sorry about the injustice and inequality seen in this world on a daily basis. A man torn between faith in God and injustice we see on a daily basis. How would you uh, how would you say your book is unique or different from others that have been written about this similar subject? No book I read before expressed the nature and suffering of human beings like my book, Man with a Golden Heart. I have a message to the world. I want to give my message to this book. That is, uh, the main problem is I'm not able to bring this, my ideas into the limelight of the world. Uh, this, um, my, I feel sad. I hope um, yeah, something will change by reading my book. At least if you understand the suffering, I, uh, my life is fulfilled. I want my uh, thoughts, I want to share with many human beings. They, they read my book for, for my, uh, by chance. Mm, my life is fulfilled. I wrote about suffering. You... You mentioned that your hands are golden. How would you describe or share with my listening audience what that means, to have golden hands? I did uh, not have many good things happen with my hands. I influenced the life of many people in, in the world, in this world, in, around me. So God has given me golden hands. Whatever, whatever I do helps with these hands. But, um, God blesses them. And uh, that's why I have. Uh, even I'm physically handicapped because of this MR, still they have done all that. That's why I say God, uh, God is a magician, a magician. It is difficult to understand his life. And I told you also, you know, I'm, this brain stands for every small thing. And it, it, and it, it is so brilliant and godly, even though I'm mentally handicapped. It's difficult to. God is a magician, a magician. It is difficult to understand his action. What is the most challenging part of writing your book? Uh, sometimes I, I get a version to my thoughts. I forget it and I forget to write it down again and I forget for a good because I'm handicapped. Another thing is bringing my book into limelight. Another problem. Uh, I tried through online promotion. And good reviews came from Kirkus, uh, Trifecta Reviews, Kirkus Hindi, Blue Ink, Clarion. But uh, in one book, one verse, in one old review, it was written that a pain killing poem, my poem. In another review, it was written that pain will come to an end if they read my book. But still, uh, I did not get any encouragement. I'm sad about it. I hope uh, people. Uh, uh, read my book uh, and 
And even though English is not your primary language, your book is in English, and one of the verses reads like this, and it's a prayer. My Lord, give me strength and courage to wipe selfishness out of me. Let this flesh and blood help others and perish in the process. What more do I want than to be with you? Very good sentiment. And uh, this book is full of not only positive but insightful insight into suffering, pain, and also in redemption. The story is found in the book Man with a Golden Heart, and our author is Satyan. Satya, where do we find copies of your book? It's in uh, print on demand. They said it is available in Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And now I want to go for offset printing because online promotion did not help very much regarding the sales of my book. So I, uh, my book uh, expert advised me to go for offset printing and then keep it in the market in the bookshop near Sinaba. Very good. That uh, some people will uh, be interested. The cost of the book also become less if they do that in the office. So, I mean, you know, the cost is high, I think. That's why it is available in e-book also, so they may not buy my book. Uh, so anyway, let me see. Let me see my luck. Uh, my idea is not to earn money. That's not my idea. I want, my, I want to share my ideas with others in, the, in this world. That is my main idea. That will give me satisfaction. Excellent. Well, thank you for sharing your information and sharing the story behind the writing of this book, Man with a Golden Heart. Satya, our listeners can find you online by doing a search under your name. The spelling is S-A-T-Y-A, and that will bring up the book, Man with a Golden Heart. Thank you for joining me today from India. Okay, thank you, thank you. 
For Author Talk, this is J. Douglas Barker. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Hi, everybody. This is Pete Six of Beatles and Beyond. Why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station? Why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear the latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House. Helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Greetings for Steve Jorgensen and for Author Talk, this is J. Douglas Barker. Our book today is titled, Sherry and Me, Snippets of a Relationship. And I'll find out from the award-winning author, William B. Cottle II, what in the world a snippet is. Welcome to the program. Well, good morning and thank you. Yes, sir. This is a fictional, non-fictional account of someone very special to you. Tell us the background and the inspiration behind writing this particular novel. Well, um, I had uh, just published a a book entitled The Old Curmudgeon, and uh, this is also with Author House. And um, my wife asked a question, and the question was, why don't you write something about me? I said, well, okay. And so it took me about three months in remembering what, how we had met. And we actually met over the Internet. Hmm. And I had, uh, I had put a, a blurb onto one of the social media sites, and it said, Attorney Author from Florida, Picture Upon Request. And, well, after a few people had uh, written from all over the world, some interesting ladies. This appeared uh, from Sherry, and she said she was uh, interested in, in uh, becoming acquainted. And so that began our, I guess you would call it a courtship over the Internet and then uh, the phone. And by February of uh, 1999, her monthly bills were approaching a thousand dollars a month. Yes, but I didn't mind since she was doing the calling, and uh, she told me that she had been an editor for the uh, Genealogical Society of America, and she was uh, very active in that. She had worked with uh, Alex Haley in Roots and uh, uh, publishing his work and this sort of thing. And I thought, well, that's a pretty good recommendation. And so I decided to go out and to meet her, and I had a couple of books that uh, I had been working on, and she asked for a copy. And I thought, uh-oh. Most authors, I think, look at their their uh, work as uh, their own baby, their own child, and they're very reluctant to have others that are not in the profession 
uh, take a look at it or that they don't know. So I hemmed and hauled around and sent something to her, and we decided to get together and see what we could work out regarding the book. Mm-hmm. And I was supposed to fly out with the Air Force. Uh, I'm retired Air Force and uh, go to Hill Air Force Base in Utah. And I was going to spend 10 days. I would be staying at her next-door neighbor's, and we would be, or she would be showing me the area. And the time I, I pulled up to her house, I actually drove out there because of conflicts with the Air Force. And uh, I drove out and um, asked her to go to lunch. We went to lunch, and I guess the same muse that helps me in my um, writing suggested that maybe I should get married to this woman, so I asked her, and she said yes. And we went to see her bishop in the Mormon church, and uh, he said he only had time the next day. So we were married the next day in front of about 40 people. That's amazing. Must have been a very good lunch. It was. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe an expensive lunch, I don't know. Well, as, as it turned out, it, it has been. <laughs> wrote these other things uh, based upon uh, her her saved emails. She has them to this day That when we emailed back and forth. And so the book arose from, from that. And you have uh, tried to make the excuse that there's a lot of fiction in this book, but I am dubious of that fact. Is this a fictional work, or is it nonfiction? Well, strange. Uh, you haven't talked to my wife, have you? Not, uh, not really, no. she believes it is uh, uh, not fictional. But there are some things, as an author, you have a literary license, and uh, one chapter called Sparks uh, is totally fictional, although she still has her doubts about it. And it is, it is a prize-winning uh, story that I had submitted to a Christian Writers Conference in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, in a national contest, and it won first place. So, uh, along with several others that I had submitted for, and they got honorable mention. So it was as as the judge said in the uh, contest, he was surprised that it won first place because it was basically a practical joke. You got away and, with that one. Uh, oh yes. Yes, You're yes, still not in trouble. Well, it's fictional. <laughs> of course it's fictional. And so are the other stories in your book, Wink, Wink. Uh, Who Needs Salt Lake, Chapter 4, oh. For the Love of Money, Food for Thought, Chapter 14, and What is Dress Code About, Chapter 12. Well, we were talking about a modern fashion and uh, the fact that some things are just not suited to some types of body shapes, and there are some things that some people ought not to wear. For instance, <laughs> if I would outfit myself in a Speedo swimming suit or material, whatever it is, and uh, and go to the beach, which is roughly 400 miles from me, uh, I, it would not be a pretty sight, you know? I refer to uh, those as speed nose. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I bad idea. Speed nose. How did you get all the material together? Did you draw strictly from her emails or just memory? How did this get put together? Uh, most of it actually was memory because that is the time that is embedded in my 
brain that I will never forget. I think most of our lives together, and we just celebrated our 15th wedding anniversary. I think most of those times are, are really embedded in my mind. Congratulations. And been mostly fun times. I was going to ask you that question, but I was afraid Sherry might be listening. No, in fact, she's <laughs> doing one of her favorite tasks, which is genealogical work. She's on the Internet. Wonderful. She is a fabulous genealogist. How would you introduce this book, Bill, to someone? Uh, since it is absolutely and totally a book of fiction, how would you introduce this book? I would tell them that it is a book about relationships that you can learn from each of those chapters of some aspect in uh, living with a person who may be totally opposite from what you uh, from what you are or what you perceive you are, and how you have to work together in order to make a successful uh, relationship or marriage in this case. If you're like most gentlemen or guys who are married, you sometimes marry a direct opposite. How do you? And I won't say Sherry is this way, but if you did run into somebody that had a relationship where there were opposites, how do you suggest they can get along? Read my book. <laughs> if they will read Sherry and me, first buying it, let me tell you, because we have an arrangement. I write, she receives the uh, the royalties. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a good arrangement. So that's one reason I can get her to work long hours for me. I think that's a great idea. I, uh, I It keeps her occupied and keeps her compensated and keeps her busy. I need to find a, a similar task for my spouse. I think that's uh, uh-huh. a good advice. I need to read your book and find out what the tricks of the trade are. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I, I don't think anything has ever been planned in our life. Uh, we've been very fortunate in that we have had no really major obstacles other than working together. And one person has to remember that there's always a captain to a ship, but the first mate walks side by side with him. Yes, yes, I'm, I, uh, I am first mate, I guess, in our dinghy. Is there an underlying message, Bill, that you want to convey to the reader, or to the people who will read this book? Yes, I think that if they will remember that we are all children of God, and that we should treat each other fairly. That's great advice. I'm going to pass that on to the uh, ship's captain. Now, I will tell you this. You could have children read this book, and they would not be offended. They might not understand all of it, but uh, I, um, I always try to remember that uh, we have to use decent language, and we have to better people than we are. Good advice. In your book, Sherry and Me, Snippets of a Relationship, is there one fictionalized account that would be outstanding to the reader that would really grab their attention and turn them into a full-on supporter and cheerleader for William Cottle, the author? Well, I I really think there are several uh, that are are outstanding, if you will, Jay. And For the Love of Money is a good one on financial advice. And you can find in Sparks uh, that humor really is an asset in a marriage. I I want you to read the the portion of that rather than me telling you about it.
because not only was it a uh, first-place award winner in that contest, but it really points out that some of the things that we do as husband and wife or partners that are, are humorous enough that they will motivate people to do things. Oh, my, my wife just passed through, and, and she handed me a copy of Sherry and Me. Uh, and by the way, the uh, cover... That is a characterization of, uh, or caricature of my wife and I in front of a um, Cracker Barrel store. I was wondering about that. <laughs> yes. Uh, a friend of ours is the artist who, who drew that, and she hates to do caricatures, but she did that for us. Did she also complete the sketches inside the book? Yes, she did. She did. They're charming. She preferred most of those because they were of objects rather than people, and uh, the talent that she has for doing her landscapes are really wonderful. She's a, a terrific artist who lives in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee, and we live near there, and it's a great little city or town, I suppose most people would say. It gives the book a nice finish and certainly introduces us to the characters that are inside. Thank you yes. for sharing that information. Where do we get copies of your book, Bill? Well, you can always order at Author House. Uh, however, uh, Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, uh, if they're still in existence, <laughs> I don't know, uh, or any actually any bookstore, if you'll um, take in the name Sherry and Me and the author, uh, William B. Cottle, and... Uh, they can order it for you. It's. Uh, I really don't know what the price is because uh, there's nothing on when, when I'm looking at the back. I don't see any price on there. So whatever the current charges are, uh, my wife will be grateful for the purchase. That's what I was thinking. It uh, doesn't matter. Go buy some or buy one at least and mm -hmm. help Sherry... Enjoy her obsession with genealogy, pursuing her <laughs> skills. She has just been released from a church calling that she's had for 13 years now, mm. and that is uh, as organist and pianist for the church. And uh, now she's got more time to devote to what she tr truly loves, and sometimes I think more than me, that is genealogy. Genealogy, well, wonderful. This book title is Sherry and Me, Snippets of a Relationship, and our author is William B. Cottle II. Bill, tell my listeners, if you're still involved in writing novels and works of fiction or nonfiction. In fact, I have one that's due out in May, and uh, it's called Sugar Creek. Uh, you can look for it. Uh, it is, a, again, a story of relationships during the war between the states, or as some Yankees call it, the Civil War. And uh, it is a story between a, strangely enough, a lawyer during the Civil War and a, um, a black Confederate sergeant. Mm. And it takes place during uh, up into and after the Battle of Franklin, which is a rather uh, famous Civil War battle uh, here in Tennessee. And it really deals with people's feelings towards each other 
that that were occurring at that time, but still actually go on today. And you you wanted to know if I was uh, involved in anything else. I currently am about halfway through a. Uh, I, I suppose it would be called a sequel. It takes place after my first commercial book, which is The Canal, which was written in 99, or published in 99. And uh, it, it takes place with the same character, but it takes place in Florida, Tennessee, and Germany. And it uh, involves some things that I was involved in as Panama was, or the canal was, about Germany after World War II for certain characters uh, that were not happy with the uh, outcome of World War II. Your books sound fascinating and have my attention, so I'm uh, encouraging our listeners to do a search under your name, William B. Cottle, spelled C-A-U-D-L-E, the second and they'll be able to keep in contact with you and find out what you're up to next as far as your writing. Thank you, sir, for joining me today. You're welcome. I look forward to hearing from you in the future. Thank you. For Author Talk, this is J. Douglas Barker. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Homeschooling? Half questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children ages 24 to 18 who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House, helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Greetings for Steve Jorgensen and for Author Talk, this is J. Douglas Barker. Today we're talking about a rather unique book, and one that is in some ways biographical in nature, assembled by the daughter of the author, Glenn Seymour. The title of the book is Glenn's Games, and I welcome to the program Donna. Donna, welcome. Thank you. Glad you asked me to come. Well, this book is is different from most of what I see when I'm talking to authors. Uh, Most of my authors' books are either total fiction or, if they are factually based, they're usually historical in nature. This one is unique. Tell us about the story behind Glenn's Games. My dad was a very hard-working man, prided himself on being an honest man, raised a large family, eight children, uh, worked hard all the time. He carried mail for 42 years, and when he reached 90 years old, he was a widow. He, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I have a frog this morning I can't seem to get rid of. Well, let's say hi to Kermit. Okay, go away. <laughs> he prided himself on being a good family man, a Christian man. 
he had to go to the nursing home when he was 90 years old. And it was very hard to adjust because he had a garden, a large yard, flowers, and all to take care of. All of a sudden, he didn't have any place to put his energy. So he decided he would write mind games. And he really wasn't a nursing home that he was in. I'm sorry, I told you wrong. It was a assistant living. And after he started writing the games, they started playing them. They had the activity day, and they played in Glenn's games and see if they could answer all the questions. Mm. And he was tickled to death when they couldn't answer a question that he could. He had a very hard time sometimes understanding why they, they couldn't make out the games. But we had to tell him that in the process of the old age, he was losing his eyesight. And that some people lose their eyesight, some people move, lose their mind, you know, their way of thinking. So he started these games and prided himself on playing his games. When he passed away, it was very hard for all of us kids. And we decided, a year later, about a year later, I decided that I was going to do a tribute to him and print his book. I think he would be very proud of his book. And I'm very proud to be able to present it out to other people and understand what kind of man mom and dad was. Although somewhat simple in some regards, the games, but there yeah. are just, I would say, hundreds. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of games, fill in the blank, uh, having to do with word association, name association. Your book is actually 242 pages in length. So it's not a, a simple process that, that, that he would go through. There's How many games do you think you came up with altogether? Well, altogether we had over 130. I don't think they're all in the book. But, uh, yes, I learned quite a lesson doing this because I typed them all up on my computer, got them all ready, and called a publishing company. And they told me that the best way to do it would be to put it on a disc. Well, I had printed it up. Very simply printed it up and thought I had a good job there, you know. Right. I hadn't saved them. Oops. I typed them all up, but I never saved them. So I had to type them all up again. And I had a, a printer here in town that really helped me. I appreciate him very much. He was very helpful with this. And I finally got them all printed up. I took it to the printing company to have him check it over for me and get it ready to go. And it was just it was a long process, a long, hard process, but I tell you, it was worth every minute of it. Did your dad have these handwritten out, or were they uh, typewritten? How did you, how did no, you source he, he these? he wrote them himself. He handwritten them. He had handwritten them, I'm sorry. And um, he was very frugal. Mm-hmm. He grew up during the Depression. Right. And he was very frugal, so he'd use any piece of paper he could find. We didn't throw anything away. And he'd write it on any piece of paper that he could find. And you had to interpret his writing because as he got older and his eyes failed him and his hands started failing him, it was very hard to decipher sometimes. Tell our listeners uh, at what age he, he finally did pass away. He lacked uh, two, days of being, uh, two months of being 99 years old. That's incredible, and a lot of the lot of the the games, if you want to refer to them, are they're intellectual or mind uh, stimulating games that would yes. uh, address the memory and help an individual keep active in that area of his uh, of his health. Yes, you had to use your your mind, your brain. You had to think, and that was the point of the whole thing for him. 
He had questions like, what's a male goose? What's a female goose? What's a baby duck? And, of course, those are uh, very simple answers. But he had some complicated things, too, and and also some that related to popular culture. He'd have the name of a well-known individual with the first name missing and have people people respond to that. He has one game called Grocery Store. Most of these are are word association games. Iceberg, and then you fill in the blanks. Uh, Nancy Hall, I'm not sure what the answer to that one would be in a grocery store. Do you know what that is? Uh, I would have to look it up. It's, I do know, but I can't think of it right now. I think it's a sweet, uh, it's a sweet potato. Are, yeah. it is written, the book is written, it is written as a loose-bound book because the assistant living where he lived would make a copy of the questions and pass it out to the the residents, and then they would have the answers. So the residents would have the copies, and they would write their answer down, and then they would compare it to the others. But if it was printed, not doing a very good job of explaining this, if it was printed with a hardback, they would not have been able to, it would have been harder to make a copy. Yes, and and I can see this as a, a game resource book for Baby yes, showers, no, wedding have, showers, uh, all types of uh, group activities, not just for older folks. I have a niece that is a speech therapist, and she was tickled to death with it. She uses it with her patients and says it is very helpful for her because she can get people to talk and speak correctly Excellent. with this book and answer questions that she says it's great for her. He has uh, questions like, uh, what, has, what has uppers and lowers but no teeth? And I was quizzing myself about that, not sure, and I, I cheated. I went to the answer and found out it was bunk beds. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm trying to think. I've, I've, I've typed these so many times, and I, I amazed myself. I thought I knew my dad. But when I started typing these up, I thought, I did not know my dad knew that. Yes, you know, your dad is just your dad. Right. You don't really think about it. But uh, the more I read of this, the more I realized my dad was a very intelligent man. Obviously so. And yes. and, and these games uh, really didn't come into print or didn't get printed up by your father until after he was in an assisted living uh, scenario. Yes. So yes. he was over 90 when he began putting this together. He had a very active and prolific mind. Yes, he entered the, the assisted living on his 90th birthday. It's amazing. It was a very trying time, very hard time for him to adjust. I'm sure it did. But he prided himself on being able to go along with the flow. If that's the way God wanted it to be, that was the way it was going to be, and he would make the most of it. He did a marvelous job in putting this together to keep the other individuals that he was associating with active and keeping them on their toes. How long did it take you to put this book into print? <laughs> Months, almost, almost ten months. Ten months of, of, I'm sure, hard, hard work and deciphering his his writing. Yes, uh, because the older he got, the more difficult it was. How would you introduce this book to someone? Uh, maybe a neighbor, friend that might not know too much about your your dad's history and about his games that he created. Oh my, because I, I go back to I go back to my dad, and I. I I, he was an intelligent man. I'm very proud of my dad. He had, he did not have a, a good life, an easy life. But it's just very good. It's very stimulating for the mind. It makes you stop and think. It makes you realize some of these answers that you, you just how somebody could think of such a thing. 
put this all together and have so many different topics. The problem with this book is it's going to go out of date one of these days. <laughs> There's a lot of questions that won't. Yes. But no. a lot of them will because this younger generation is not going to know who Bob Hope is. Right. Who Jimmy Durante was. And right. I may be talking to some of these people right now. <laughs> Correct. They have no clue who these people are. But it's still a question and answer. It's something they can look up. Always get a reference book and find out who these people are. This is true. The other thing that's interesting, he also did on his grocery list game, he took the vowels out, and you fill in the vowels in order to get the the answer to what would be on your grocery list, which is a clever way of of doing a, a game. And I have to laugh when you look at the grocery list. He's got hamburger. Ninety-nine cents a pound. I wish. Well, now that's quite some time ago. It is. <laughs> we'll never see that again. <laughs> but again, considering the the reference point and the fact that this, in some ways, is almost an autobiographical sketch of an individual who has lived a very full life, this is yes. a, a well done, well done account of of his life. Yes. Because it does more than just account for the games, it also accounts for some of our history. When he does refer to movie stars and individuals of high profile that are no longer uh, in the modern lexicon of of language, uh, it is a reflection on his life. These are people he knew as he was growing up. This was his life. His life. And it's, it's, uh, it's interesting that he has been able to do this, and he was able to and had the desire to do this up until he was almost 99 years old. That's, that in yes. itself is also a commendation of your father. Is there one particular game that you think stands out in this book that you, you feel was something that surprised you as you discovered it? Uh, I, I don't know. I never thought about that before. Well, they're all interesting. Each has its all own little, yes. its own twist uh, to it. I think I think I'd have to go back to the vowels. The vowels that they left out of uh, he left out of food. Yes, because some of those are hard to decipher. Hard to you have to stop and really really think. What is that word? Without the vowels, it's hard. It is very difficult. Some of them, and uh-huh. it also attests to his quick wit, his quick thinking. Yes. His ability to discover new ideas on almost a regular daily, weekly basis. Did he discover or make these games up for a weekly contest with the residents? Yes. Every week they would have this time where they, and they called it Glenn's Games. Glenn's Games. That's where the book got its name. It was called, when they had the the games, they would call them Glenn's Games. And they go so many days. You know, and not have Glenn's games a week, and then, then people be asking, when we're going to do Glenn's games again? Fascinating. Well, he must and have been a wonderful character. He he was always tickled to death when they asked for his games. Was there anything that was a challenge besides deciphering your dad's handwriting in 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 assembling <laughs> the book? He was a beautiful, had beautiful handwriting when he was younger, but by the time he died, his hands were frozen. Hmm. He couldn't bend his fingers right. at all, and that was very trying for him. Depended upon day-to-day care. He had 24-hour care because he could not take care of himself, and that was uh, degrading for him. Very you know, difficult. He didn't ask for help. Difficult. A, a proud yeah. and intelligent yeah. man. This book is titled Glenn's Games, and Glenn is spelled with two N's, G-L-E-N-N apostrophe S, Games, created yeah. by Glenn Seymour, and we're talking with his daughter who helped assemble this wonderful book, Donna Lithgow.
Thank you, Donna, for sharing this today. Where can they get copies of Glenn's Games? Uh, you need to get on the Internet at the time right now. Uh, it's, it's published, but they haven't put it on the market yet. So I suggest they get on the Internet and look it up. Or they will find it in Barnes & Noble well, on Amazon. There are many places online that this book will be available for our listeners, and I'm sure it also will be available as an ebook, so they can download it that way as well. And it's in the release stages as we are interviewing. Yes. So they can find it by doing a search for Glenn's Games, and uh, I think it would be a lot of fun to be using this in a group setting and good icebreaker for a party. Absolutely Well, great. I also have wondered if it would be helpful for um Ladies that teach your children at home, homeschooling. That's also a great idea. It, it lets them think, use their mind, and that's what that's the purpose of the whole thing. That's super. Well, thank you for sharing your story about your dad, Glenn Seymour, and uh, this fabulous book that gives an insight into many, many years of history titled Glenn's Games. Thank you again for being with us today. Thank you very much for asking me. I appreciate it. Honored to visit with you. For Author Talk, this is J. Douglas Barker.